0: thanks for listening to this latest jiffy and stubzy podcast jonathan davis one of the greatest ever dual code rugby players is talking to us from south wales i'm in South West london and we have two very very special guests joining us today jiffy first of all how are you doing all okay yeah
1: same really so i'm glad uh Two things happening on uh, television. so Watching Gangs of London, and uh, what else? Watching uh, or the uh, Last Dance with uh, Michael Jordan. So uh, that's good. And the SAS
0: uh, Celebrity is good as well. <laughs> watching, watching all their celebrities get battered. I saw a bit of that last night. Tell you what, flash has got a little bit. He's got he's, he's got a bit of a challenge on his hands, hasn't he, John fashioning
1: Yeah, antony Bello, I think they all have, they've got to calm down a bit, haven't they?
0: Uh, we have two very special guests joining us today. Thank you to Mike Phillips and Graham Roundtree for joining us. Giff, you know better than anyone, just these are two massive figures in rugby union joining us today. Oh, huge, huge legends! And I'm sure
1: if, uh, if we weren't on, on this lockdown, neither of them would talk to us because it's far too
0: busy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mike, so many games for Wales, hundreds and hundreds of games for Wales. Graham played for England, coached England, you've both been on Lions tours, you've both, uh, rugby's taken you around the world. Thank you very much for joining us. Graham, where are we talking to you from, please? Jiffy's in South uh, Wales, I'm in South West London. Mike, I think you're in Dubai, is that right?
2: Yeah, yeah, I've been based here, um, me and the wife and the little one, we've based here for three years now, so... um... It's just started raining, actually, which is a bit strange. So, Oh, uh, wait, in Dubai? Yeah, I just had to pull the clothes in off the line there. So, uh... <laughs> Graham,
0: where are we talking to you from? Where are you uh, talking to us from, Graham?
3: Hey, hey, Ray, it's a pleasure being with these two. Um, well, all, all of you, legends. Um, I'm in Leicester, so I work I work in Munster, work in Ireland, but not quite got round to moving over. We were going to do that this summer, but that's on the back burner, obviously. So and I'm in Leicester with the family.
0: Uh, what level of restrictions uh, are you working under Mike? Are you go out, can you do what you want, or is it uh, very different in Dubai? It's been very
2: strict, to be honest. I mean, um, it's been up until two days ago, We've it's been full lockdown. Um, only one person from every household is allowed to go to the supermarket once every three days. Um, when you do go out, you have to wear a mask, gloves, Um so you can go out now and and spend some time outside, but before that, you know, you weren't allowed to go out, you know, and, that, and that's been the case for um, for five or six weeks. So um, it's uh, pretty strict, but it's uh, I think it seems to be, you know, getting to a, a like the sort of stage now, which is which is quite good.
1: Is there anything they've uh, said? You know, have they announced any kind of uh, procedures to get out of the lockdown or
2: nothing? No, I mean it's you, you. get monitored all the time, whenever wherever you go in, Now you get your temperature, you know, taken, and it's all pretty strict here. But it's um, like I said, it, the fact that we can leave the house and go out and do some exercise is, is brilliant. Obviously, the you've got to keep your distance and all that, but um, yeah, it's it's a bit easier now. But it's uh, but you know, it's all in a good cause. You know, there's no point. Um, you know, it's been handled well. I think
0: absolutely, we are where we are. Graham, what's your routine? What what are you doing with your days?
3: Uh, I do a bit of training. I've got a walk bike. Uh, but I have the same trouble as Jiffy. I just can't make it go fast. Um, too many birthdays, I think, is the medical term. Too many birthdays.
1: <laughs> oh, I
3: don't um, no, I've I'm, I'm, got um, three kids. I'm trying to do a bit of training. My oldest lad is uh, a prop forward. He's he's 18 next week. I'm trying to be in the gym with him. Just trying to keep up with him, but he's a beast. Uh I do a bit of walking, but... Just lately, we're getting into a bit more rugby. We do a lot of team meetings on uh, on Zoom or Microsoft Teams, just trying to stay connected with the rest of the lads. There we are.
1: No, it must be like a, it must be like an thon in your house, and with three kids as well.
3: There's a fair amount of shopping when we are allowed to go go out shopping. Yeah, there's a fair amount of shopping. Uh, but the the kids, I mean, the kids can school online. Uh, we've got a bit of space here, so we're not on top of each other. They're quite enjoying it. The kids. I'm enjoying a bit of family time, if I'm honest with you.
2: Yeah, and Mike, what are you? Uh, what was your little one now? Uh, he's twenty months, twenty months, twenty-one months.
1: That must be hard work at the moment, is it? Not being able to kind of go anywhere, just.
2: Yeah, he's been great. He's um, he's flying, to be honest. He's uh, he's good fun, you know, and he's, he's he's into everything. You've got to watch him all the time. So um, yeah, it's been a lot of fun, you know. And it's uh, the in-laws are here as well, which that's been exciting. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's been quite tough. We're um, French; we don't even speak English, so um, it's been quite tough.
1: Oh, I can imagine. I can imagine. So, what are you on over in Dubai now? Are right? you because you were doing all them um, coaching schools, and you? you know everything's on hold? Are you just planning for you know everything when lockdown's over?
2: Yeah, just trying to plan for next year now, and it's it's tough, really. Um. There's not much you can do. So, uh, to be honest, I've I've done a lot of training since uh since the lockdown. I've just tried to concentrate on myself, my eating, and no alcohol for like six or seven weeks. Uh, I've actually read some books, which is a first. <laughs> um, so I feel like a new man, to be honest. So it's, uh, <laughs> it's all good. <laughs>
1: so you keeping in touch with your with your family over here as well.
2: Yeah, yeah, on the FaceTime and that with the little one. And, you know, mum and dad, they love it. And, uh, yeah, they're all well and stuff, which is great. And, um, yeah, keeping in touch with everyone. Obviously, it's, um, you know, uh, not nice. But hopefully, we'll we'll get to the end of it soon.
0: Jiffy, there's always questions uh, I I like to ask. um, Graham, in particular, when we see the television and we see that shot of all the coaches up in their booth all looking at your screens, what is actually on those screens, please? Is that the match or is it data? And what are you saying to each other, please? And what are you actually looking at? Nah, it's,
3: it's either Netflix. That's <laughs> <or> something else. <laughs> now, we, we get asked that a lot. I mean, all you're looking at, and the key is, is not to look at your laptops too much because you are got to watch the game. It's particularly first half because at half time, you've got to be succinct in what you're saying to the lads. But, you're looking at replays, right? Just replays. Um, particularly referee decisions. Uh, but I've had it before. Are we looking at GPS data? No. No, we're not. You only look at it when there's a break in play. And just to have a look back and things. Sometimes you're looking for space. Areas of the field. Or line out in particular. Seeing how they're defending. But now the key is that I've only learnt this as I've got older as a coach. is What's the bloody game? You can spend too long looking at computers or writing things down. We go, what's the game? Because... As I say, they can only take in so much at half-time. You've got to be spot on.
0: Yeah. Is that right, the half-time? I think it was Arsene Wenger said once that uh, after a very short time span, people aren't going to take it in. So do you really work on the message you yeah. give at half-time being yeah. absolutely as concise as possible?
3: Yeah, yeah, three points. They can take in three points. I think the art is let them come up with it. See what they've got. See if they've worked it out themselves. Then you can top it up. Sometimes you need a bit of a hairdryer, uh, but no, you have got to be succinct because they're knackered, particularly these days. The game now—it's
1: brutal, quick. I got ask—I got to ask a pair of you. Right, half time. I can't actually remember anything that any coach ever told me. I, I don't know. I don't know if that's the case with you, Mike, or even if you listened. But uh, <laughs> can you remember any good advice? You know, it's like because we only had a minute as well in those days. You—you got ten minutes to take it all
2: in. Um, nothing springs to mind. I, I think, um, yeah, you, you try and take as much information on as possible. And, and obviously you risk, you know, your massive respect for the coaches and, and, um, maybe, you know, you've, you have your own feelings, but they may have seen something that you haven't or, or not. Uh, and I guess it's that, you know, it's about judging the, um, you know, what the confidence in the team as well. And, and if it's the right thing to go a bit, you know, aggressive with the team or, to you know, uh, vice versa, the other way go the other way. And you know, it's um and I remember the first game at Gats we, I've been tricking them I mean, we didn't have a great first half, and in half time he was a bit sort of um aggressive, you know, which needed to be, you know, to pull us pull our socks up. So I guess it depends on um the situation really the, how, how the game unfolds.
1: Great. What was your thoughts after? Um
3: I don't know what you mean. I'd say generally there has to be some glaring technical things, but these days the lads can work it out. They, they know what they're going to do better. That, uh, there's that much analysis. That, the guys do so much analysis now; they know where they're going wrong. I'd say they will always remember how you make them feel. If they need a kick up the backside, I remember that game, Filsley. That was, Gats's, it was yeah. his first game, wasn't it, in charge with his yeah. new crew? And we were winning. I was coaching against you.
2: Alright, uh, yeah, yeah. that's why I brought yeah. that.
3: Cheers. There's a few <laughs> more of them, isn't there? <laughs> I remember that first game. game was not there a point we were quite well ahead? You didn't you drop the ball off the top of the line out? There was a scrum, and we thought that's it. But no, it wasn't. But
2: um, I'd say I the lads drop.
3: Remember how you make them feel?
1: Feels he had a charge down. He put his body on a lane, He charged one down and then scored, didn't he?
2: Yeah, I didn't drop the ball. Anyway, that wasn't me. I never dropped the ball. <laughs>
1: That must have been Dwayne Peel when he came on. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. So um... before we
1: got before we got to your careers, playing careers, I got to ask you: the, the last World Cup was so different for a pair of you. I'll go, I'll go to uh, Mikey first, right? You were involved in the in the ITV uh, presentation and, and you know, all the broadcasting. Did you did you enjoy that part? You know, and because it's you know big big international event, did you enjoy it?
2: Yeah, I did enjoy it. Yeah. It was good because um, had an amazing team of people, uh, like Paula Connell and uh, you know Driscoll was there, and um, you know unbelievable former players and crew. And everyone was fantastic. And yeah, and they you know it was a real sort of team together. And I loved that. It was a sense of being back in a team, and we were on tour, and we were mixing well together. Um, couple of drinks in the night and it was it was a lot of good fun you know so a couple of karaoke songs and um it was it was good fun a good bonding and um yeah it was an exciting world cup i mean japanese were amazing hosts when they and it was uh, a great spectacle ready for for rugby really what's your,
1: what's your karaoke song Mike?
2: Right? depends how drunk i am I think. Uh <laughs> <laughs> no that's not me i can't uh, i can't sing
1: Answering. I can't believe you'd admit that you can't do something.
2: No, no, I'm pretty honest.
1: <laughs> I right. like right, you because I was looking at, what was it like for you in the World Cup? Because you were out there with Georgia, because I know they are a massive rugby nation, right? I know because um, I remember um, Kingsley Jones telling me when he traveled to Russia to play in Georgia, 56,000 people. And, and he didn't think he was going to get up to there alive. So, what was it like, you know, with the, with the Georgian side?
3: Where do you start? Uh, like a Virgin by Madonna, by the way, is my karaoke song. <laughs> obviously, obviously. Um, you know, it was an experience for me. My fourth, my fourth World Cup as a coach. Okay. What I loved about it was uh, doing it tier two, right? So, you're not staying in travel lodges by any means, but you're travelling every five days. You're playing a game and you're on a train you're traveling, where's tier one, you get six or seven day turnarounds, you get looked after better. But it was my first as a tier two nation, so that was interesting. Georgians are great, good lads, honest, huge, huge men. Um, the forwards mostly all play in France, top 14 or pro. The backs were pretty much amateurs, They're playing in a, a professional league in, in Georgia. So when you get you're playing against uh, Fiji, you're only as good as the amateur winger on the edge of the field where you can have a tight head prop is on 40 grand a month but then you've got an amateur winger on the wing, you're only as good as that guy. Uh, So, no, it was was a great experience, I enjoyed it.
0: Oh, good. Graham, over the course of um, your coaching career, we'll go back to your playing career a little bit later, but over the course of your playing career, what would you say are the the biggest changes? Because it just seems the game, in some ways, I'm, I'm wondering if you're going to tell me that everything changes, but nothing changes? Uh, the,
3: the crack The ethos The banter Will never change um, Crikey I was playing for Leicester As a 19 year old I played in Jiffy's last game He won't remember it His last game for Wales The old arms Yeah court. we got battered Remember uh, Rob Andrews Last game as well Wasn't it
1: Yeah and uh, Will's Will Carlin's
3: I think you ran past me A couple of times You won't have noticed me On the field That's for sure <laughs> I, I was the one Who dropped the ball A few times Missed a few tackles but, <laughs> No, I, I, I feel very grateful to have played in the amateur era. I mean, I remember playing at Leicester. Crikey, we'd come out with a straight to the sponsors bar, drinking. The first thing we'd have to eat would be a burger from the burger van at one in the morning. These days, guys have to weigh in every morning, they get rehydration tests, etc., and then they get told after the game what sponsors they've got to go and see. But I've spanned both eras. I wouldn't change anything, but changes in the game is huge. The game's quicker, lads are bigger. Tactical analysis defence is bigger now. It's all about unpicking defences. Um, but I'd say the crack. I love being a coach because you're just one step away from being a player. I, I love being on the field. I love drinking with them. I love drinking with Philzie. Stood on a table in Pretoria after the second test, Lions 09. I remember that night. Remember that night, Philzie? I don't know. <laughs> you on top of the table. Right, let me tell you this. He's on top of his table singing, and your brother was there. Your brother plays Scrum half as well, doesn't he? Or do yeah, he used to, yeah. yeah. Best
2: better player, they say. He's
1: a better player, he tells, well, he tells me all the time.
3: He's on he's on top of the table, Phil, he? steaming drunk, shirt off. I'm the best Scrum half in the world, and the best Scrum half. in the world. <laughs> his brother, his brother shouts up to him, you're not even the best Scrum half in the family, get down. <laughs> Yeah. I, I love the game. Right, that that crack, that banter. The pressures are greater, but that will never change.
0: You carry that around with you, don't you? Because I think whatever level of rugby you play, you've got a group of guys that you go through life together, and the ups and the downs of it. I, I think those bonds. I think those bonds are so important. And forgive me, with what we're going through at the moment. I think those bonds become even more special because you know you've got someone at the end of the phone that you can speak honestly to. They might give you a bit of a hammering back. I see that as very important.
3: Yeah, yeah, true. That crack, that honesty, that pulls you through. And if you're lucky, you play for a great club and you get pulled along with some great players and you grow up and you have experience. It's all about memories, isn't it? It's all about memories. If you're lucky, you have those great memories for a long time.
2: I tell you, that's... On that Lions no sorry, like in 09, I think we built we built that camaraderie from the from the outset. I the first sort of night together, we had a couple of drinks, and I think we were supposed to go sailing the next day or something. And we were having such a good time getting to know each other. I think that got called off, and and from there, we all just um, it was you know you could feel the, you know the, the boys bonding and you know wanting to sort of fight for each other moving forward, you know.
3: Well. Can I tell, pick up on that? Because obviously I was, I was on that too, as I said. and um, I
2: wasn't drunk that night again, was
3: I? Oh. <laughs> of course not, Philzy. But there's a bloke <laughs> who looked like you with your name. He was very drunk in the bar later that night. Um, yeah. Now, we were, we were meant to go on this team building, this bonding session the next day. I forget, I think it was sailing. Was it sailing? You were sailing, yeah. And uh, Geach, late, late at night, because we'd been to a farewell dinner, I decided, no, sailing was off. Everyone. Had to get down to the bar. We got a load of booze, got a guitar out, and we're there till about five in the morning. That's bonding. That 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 will never change. And I, you find yourself. I was ringing guys in the room, going, "Come down to the bar now. We're having a session." And lads are going, uh, "No, uh, are you sure?" I said, "Look, come down now, or you're not going on tour." All right then. That's pretty.
1: Yeah. That's the way. It because I, I remember 2013 in Australia. Uh, I was I was lucky enough uh, to to go on that tour as a, as a supporter, and uh, the last night I was in the same place as all you boys in the in the in the bar, and there was a swimming pool. <laughs> oh,
2: first of all in that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> And I knew, well, I was just taking better and we knew the first one's going to go in here be because they're all going in, and I was it. And it was brilliant, brilliant occasion. So, but you you mentioned right. Well you play for Leicester you know, throughout your career, Graham. And I, you know, having played there, you know, at Leicester is a brilliant place. And I'll touch with you, you know, that once as soon as you walked into that place you played in that ground, you you realised the importance of that club to the whole community and the relationship, the close bond that the that the players had. You, you know, having played there and I've gone there and watched it, it's a brilliant place, isn't it?
3: Yeah, it's, I, I'm very lucky to have Played there, I got I got pulled along by some great players. Yeah, I mean I played alongside Martin Johnson, Neil Back. I'd like to say Austin Healy, but i got it going go then Austin Healy. He was a good player. Oh, class player. Class, I was looking at. they had some reruns of some European finals we won uh, back yes. on Sky, but yeah, he was, <laughs> was good. No, I was I was lucky. I was a I was a foot soldier. I got pulled along by some great lads, but we did have that connection with with the fans. We'd be, in the, we'd be in the bar till God knows what time in the morning with the fans, just drinking with the fans. and um, They were a part of everything. But I count myself as very lucky to have played at a place where there's 20,000 people there most weekends. And they'll let you know, if you're crap, they'll let no, you know. I
1: know.
3: But that, that honesty. you don't mind that.
1: No, I know. And Mike, you started off like you know being a commanding boy in, uh, with the Scarlets. You were, you know, you went fair play. You went all all over the place, right? Was there apart from your home club, especially because you went back there? Was there any one place you enjoyed more than the rest? Because you went racing, by on, Ospreys, Sail Shark. So you, you know, you travelled everywhere. To, you know, to in your in your profession.
2: Yeah, I think oh, I think each each of them have um, sort of a reasoning behind it and. Uh, each of it has its own little journey, doesn't it? I think, you know, I would start off in the Scarlet's, but then I had to sort of go to play um, because Dwayne was there. So I uh, went to the Blues and then um, <laughs> Ospreys kind of came in then and they were assembling a big squad. And I think we could have underachieved there, really. We should have um, done a lot better. But still, you know, I thought going there, Justin Marshall was there. And it's great to learn from him. And he didn't teach me anything, didn't say a word to me. So that was great. Uh um but um yeah and then and then sort of i wanted to the sort of experience france then so it took me over, overseas and then you get to play with you know then i got to play with joe rocococo dan carter and all these you know you're mixing in not only with the french players but south africans australians and and you're developing you know you, you know your game but also you uh, yourself as a person, and um, it's it's a great experience going going away. And I know you've done it and stuff. So it's um, you know I met my wife in France, and you know so it's um, you know they also sort of played a part really good memories.
1: Was the bonding and the culture the same? I think it's the same in England and in Wales, right in the UK. Was the bonding and the culture different in uh, in, in France?
2: Yeah, they're not as wild, are they. Uh, but um, in, I didn't realize going to the south of France. I didn't realize how big rugby was there, and I think how, how many people would sort of recognize the players and things. Whereas yeah. going to Paris, you, you know, nobody cares. You can do whatever you want to do. And um, but I didn't quite realize the, the the impact that you had on small little towns in the south is it, massive. It really is, and it's amazing. The bigger crowds down there is fantastic. It was a really good time down there.
0: Guys, when you mention the Lions, uh, if I can ask you to go back, as players, first of all, uh, when do you start thinking about, there's a Lions tour coming up soon, and when does it start to enter your head that this would be a target that you would like to get, something you'd like to get picked for? Or can you not afford for it to come in your head? What was your thinking? Go on, come
2: on, mate, you go first.
0: Um... Oh. You kind of...
3: I grew up with it. I was, just grew up with it as a kid, watching the Lions. Um, I remember watching my favourite Lions series, the 89 Lions series in Australia. Violent, violent that. Rob Jones and Nick Farr-Jones going out to the base of the scrum. Rob Jones
1: fight, then He's never won a fight. He's never started a few. He's never yeah,
3: won one. I've played with a few players like that. The Battle of Ballymore. You know, famous history, rich history, the Lions. Um, and then my first tour was 97, uh, which the first... Pro tour, it was special. We went to South Africa, no one gave us a chance. Um, but as I say, the first pro tour, we had all these these leagueies suddenly pulling us along into professionalism Gibbsy, Batman, Scott, Scottie Quinnell leading the way in terms of professionalism. It was about that time that unions started adopting more of a rugby league defense as well, it just brought more structure. But crikey, we had a good time because Lions. Lines are special insofar as you've got to pull people together quickly. And it's not about the amount of training you do. It's what you don't do. Because the lads are all knackered. It's the wrong end of the season. You've got to keep things very succinct and brief. But uh, 97 was my favourite as a player. Just, I mean, I went as a favourite to start the test myself and Jason Leonard. And this bloody young upstart no one had heard of called Tom Smith, bless him. You know, he's not well at the moment. He's not well. To him. Crikey. He he made his name that tour, him and Paul Wallace. Just took the world by storm. They changed propping as we know it. The stuff that they could do. I Me mean, passing the ball. <laughs> 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 you
1: didn't, didn't learn that in Leicester.
3: Hey, my speciality was dropping the bugger for a scrum gif. Uh, but <laughs> but oh, Tom and the, they purpose. changed it. <laughs> but that that was my that was my I'd say probably. Still, one of my most special Lions memories was as a player being part of that night. Seven, I, I never played in the tests, I played midweek. Um, it's just special, special.
1: Where were you, Maggie?
2: Um, so I, I remember when we uh, when would you know about the? I think you obviously know it's on around the corner, and you you know that six nations before you know you need to perform. And um, um that just the 2013 when we obviously beat England in the last game and we. You know, uh, it was a huge game. You know, we were in the tournament and I remember walking down the steps and past all this press and a few other boys still doing interviews and I shouted back. Um, obviously, the Lions squad hadn't been picked yet. I shouted back and I wanted everyone in the room to hear me. I said, see you on the Lions, boys. <laughs> but uh, I don't... Uh, the Welsh boys are laughing, but some of the English boys weren't happy with me. But I think, uh, you know, you know it's on the corner and it's... Um, you know you've got to perform in in, in that Six Nations before. And the, for me, funny enough, I really enjoyed, I loved the 09 one. Um, there's some ama- amazing memories from that. And, you know, it was on TV the other day and um, sickening really watching the, the first test back um, and the second test, and, you know. But a great, great tour and, and so much, um, you know, so much bonding going on there and, and boys boys were superb.
0: On a Lions tour, if you say something or do something that is a little bit daft early on, can that stick for the entire tour? Have you got to be a little bit careful when you first meet up, or otherwise that can stick with you throughout the uh, throughout the next uh, for the next weeks? Um,
3: Good question. Well, Andy Andy Powell went an 09 and he survived the whole tour. And everything he ever said is daft. Um, <laughs> oh, oh, I love this company. What a what but a. But you a,
1: need people like that, Graham, don't oh, you? Know, you no. get your starts, you get your midweekers once you're sorted out. But if if you don't have like you couldn't get two different people, than like Andy Powell and Sam Warburton, I don't think, right?
2: No. But you
1: need people like both of those types on tour. Right?
2: Yeah, I, on that tour. I mean, I remember he was. Uh, yeah, he was the he was the main fit. every training session. Graham was like, you know he was making the boys laugh. He was brilliant, and then he got injured, right? And I remember having a conversation with him. And I, I he was going to be out for the tour, and I remember I don't know, I, was, I was gutted for him, you know. I thought I never seen a guy so happy in all my life, <laughs> like because like, then he could just go out every night and enjoy himself. And uh, I was like, you know, I felt for him, like you know, he's on he's injured, yeah, and, but he just he was brilliant. <laughs>
1: We had a boy like that, in uh, we went to New Zealand in '88 uh, we had a full-back from um, Llanelli, called Steve Bowling, right? Okay. Went on tour, pulled a hamstring, then just didn't bother. He didn't want to play. So saw he did was drink Stein lager and smoke cigarettes with George Morgan, the tour manager, and every morning we go and train, and he was sat in the bar swigging, and when we came back, he didn't play one game. He enjoyed every trip, <laughs> man of the tournament.
3: Well, they call that role team manager now, I think. <laughs> when, when, you, when you're selecting these Lions squads, you, you work backwards. You, you pick those players. You pick the glue of the squad, the, the midweek massive. You pick those guys who are good on tour because it, it's hard work. Phil's, he knows more than anyone. Away from home, you're under pressure two games a week. You're constantly travelling and training. You need good lads. You need good tourists. You yeah. need guys who who uh, will respectfully play in that midweek team and not be a pain in the backside if they're not picked in the tests. Yeah. So um, then you need the rock stars as well. But you start backwards and you pick those good tourists.
0: Graham, would you have the absolute nailed on people in your mind now and then look for people to emerge as the coming months come <laughs> around? <laughs>
3: you speak to the wrong bloke. I think I would imagine that's a question for Warren Gatland. Um, he'll have, have things in mind.
0: Yeah but I'm, I'm keen to hear just whether you think there are people that are in your mind you have nailed on and then you think well they might emerge I'm not asking you for names I, I wouldn't no, do that. I, I, your no,
3: you're right Ray I, I think there's some and I'm not gonna name them now there are some standout names who have to go on that tour yeah to win that series that yeah. just that's it's quite obvious um, but the the midweekers the, the guys who can play multiple positions, um they're 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 the key. They're the key selections. It's the hardest part about coaching a Lions talk is selection.
1: Is this one gonna be tough for now because with all you know this lockdown and not knowing when the season's gonna start and also maybe South Africa, you know, we have no idea what it's gonna be like over there. When the soon it's gonna be a lot worse. Is it is it a lot harder trying to plan the whole tour. You think to go,
3: you know, to go to South Africa. I, I would imagine it's all been planned by now. They've done the recce. Uh, they've had a team manager in place. They've planned it. They've planned where we're staying and the venues. It's just making sure you know <laughs> everything's safe enough yeah. to go there because everyone will want it to happen. I mean, financially, yeah. in particular, South Africans will want to welcome mm. the fa- just the fans. Imagine how many fans are going to go to South Africa. It's the oh, shortest uh, journey. Um, but no, that it'll all be planned
1: by now. What's, what's the best, uh, you know, what's, what's your favourite country to tour then,
2: Mike? Just going back to the fans, and if they are touring South Africa, I'm doing safari trips, five star.
1: <coughs> it looks lovely, actually.
2: Yeah, so if, if people do want to go, get in touch. Um, it, uh, it's the real deal. So, um, yeah, and you're guaranteed to see one uh, lion anyway. So. so you'd be <laughs> Tiger King, wouldn't you? You'd selling yourself as...
1: Tiger King, here he is, the new Tiger King. Yeah, Lion King. Yeah. <laughs> so where is the best, you know, talking about touring, where's, where's your favourite uh, country to tour, Mike?
2: Well, I, I really enjoyed South Africa. I mean, I, it, I suppose it goes in... Uh, it, it comes back to how you play as well, isn't it? And how you perform as a team and perhaps as an individual and, and you know, um, where you've had the wins. And I think... Um, um, I loved that South Africa tour. I know we didn't win the series, but you know, I, I really enjoyed it for, for for the squad. And, you know, I thought we played well. We just, just unfortunate. And I was quite happy in my own performances. And um, it was uh, a great experience. And going, the, we were up against the best in the world as well. I think some people forgot about that. I think they were the world champions. And, you know, you can't beat that. you going down to South Africa and wanting to test yourself against the best. So, um Yeah, I did love that tour. So probably South Africa, really.
3: Yeah, Uh, Definitely South Africa. I've been there, I'd say, more than any other country um, in the world on on tour. Love it. And that that series, I mean, there's so much unfinished business for the Lions in South Africa after that in 2009.
1: Yeah.
3: I watched that second Test Filsey over the weekend. What a brutal game. And... um, and how good the Lions were. And we lost Bomb, we lost Adam Jones, we lost uh, getting Jenkins. What, what struck me was the utter size of the South Africans.
2: Just oh, huge men. Huge.
3: And what they brought off... I mean, they brought Danny Russell off the bench at 50-odd minutes. That's just not fair. Oh, then.
1: Yeah, i tell you what I... Uh, I well, I, so South Africans are not renowned for playing, like, you know, the most... Uh, intellectual rugby right but when you see that hit with um uh, O'Driscoll smashing who was it uh, he smashed somebody i can't remember who it was right <laughs> and, yeah Andrico was out of it wasn't he and he stayed on and then he st- but the next thing south Africans did they played they put a move on to go down his channel and a banner scored
2: yeah, yeah.
1: it was brilliant it was brilliant because you're not used to seeing South Africans you know you bash it up again but a technical move and it was a brilliant series because the lines were been so close to winning you know one series in Australia where mm. I thought they were the best side until Richard Hill got uh, done over and then I do think you know you were, the, you were the better side and should have won a South African trip so it's um, but as you know international margins and that next step, step up is, is such small margins you know you've got to make the most of them
2: some dodgy in mind me. Geez.
1: Well, yeah, you're gonna get that as well. <laughs> well, when, when you know when you go when you go to places, and, and now there's neutral referees. Before you're at home, try going to Papua New Guinea, right, and having a home referee. <laughs> 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 you have got no chance. Absolutely zero, zero
2: chance.
3: Yeah, no. Yeah. Really. It struck me. It struck me how how violent the game was as well. Uh, not violent, but. High shots. For oh, me. Yeah. Look what Burger got a yellow card for in the first few minutes. He's <laughs> in ban these days. I
1: know. Um, it's hard so one thing with uh, with all how's uh, with Mike first. How's your transition gone into uh, you know retirement? Gone, Mike.
2: Yeah, it's been uh, it's been pretty good. I think. Um, I probably still looking for what is that thing that, because all your life, isn't it, since you've been a young kid, you've you've had that dream and the the dream's always been to play rugby for Wales and and that's everything you do is a, is you know, is a step towards that, isn't it? You know, even youth rugby and yes. you know, that's the ultimate, you know, now I suppose trying to find that is the next sort of thing, you know. I really enjoy coaching, especially youngsters and do a lot of nine stuff and that's quite rewarding as well. I really enjoy that. Um, But still trying to find, you know, I suppose being a dad, I suppose it's trying to be the best dad and just trying to, you know, make sure that there's, uh, you know, food and uh, food on the table really. But I think it's finding that real, what is the next sort of thing I really want? You know, that's probably, that's quite hard to find really. You know, it's, it's, is it coaching or is it something else? Business or, you know what I mean? It's.
1: I think it's, it's so, we've been so lucky you know, all of us, to perform um, at such a high level. I, I don't think, I'll be interested speaking to, to Graeme, um, I don't think you can replace it as a player, and then maybe the nearest no. thing there is going into doing a World Cup and then going into coaching Graham, isn't it?
3: Um, I think so. I can't imagine doing anything else. I, 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 I have no better memories since playing, of, other than being on a field, getting a team, getting an individual, sitting down with a player, going through his game. You know, just caring about him but and getting a team ready for a big game at the weekend. I can't imagine doing anything else, Jeff. It's um it's nearly as good as playing. The pressure's massive. Yeah. Particularly sat in your home World Cup, knowing you you're getting knocked out of your home World Cup and there's sixty million people watching you worldwide.
1: Yeah, I can't imagine that.
3: You you're sat there thinking, Is this real? Is this, is this really happening now? Is this happening now? Uh, that, the pressure's massive, but I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't, I've had some highs and lows as well. I wouldn't change anything. You've got to learn from the lows. Look, Keep looking forward. Crikey, I'm going off on one now, aren't I? Um, uh-huh. Answer your but question. When, I can't imagine doing anything else. All
1: right, when, so, what? going back to that, when, with Ireland you know, being uh, in front of us in the UK, um, have you heard anything when the rugby's going to start are going to play inter-provincial or you know something like that in Ireland we're quite different
3: really because uh, we're all centrally owned so the IRFU own the four provinces and so uh, I mean it was They're talking about salary reductions as such in, in the premiership we, we had that done within 24 hours we were told by the union that's fair enough fair enough it's, it's a lot cleaner and we, we could get back potentially to playing interprovincial inter-provincial games in, in July depending on the Irish government but um, in Ireland they shut the schools on the 12th of March and the next day we finished basically everything shut down thereafter they were banning gatherings publicly and, and internally shutting pubs and they suspended the league and um, we're aiming to get back by June in what form, I don't know. It may be in pairs, it may be in small groups, when we're we allowed to tackle, when we're we allowed to scrimmage, you know, when we're we allowed to not socially distance. I mean, rugby's not very good for social distancing, is it? The actual game. Um, but we could potentially put play inter-provincial games, whether that's behind closed doors or not, I don't know. But by I'd say July.
0: Mike, what are your thoughts on rugby restarting? Because that's fascinating listening to uh, Graham's use there. What are your thoughts about restarting rugby?
2: Well, obviously it's got to be done in, in you know, health comes first and making sure that everything is, um, you know, we're in a better place and, you know, people are doing some unbelievable, uh, you know, working so hard NHS and just looking at the news today. There's, there's so many deaths now, so many deaths from nurses, doctors losing lives and it's incredible really, you know, so that's the most important thing is that we get over this and, and get through it and, um you know, um, we all want rugby to start as soon as possible, but you know, there's a bigger thing, isn't it? We've got to make sure we get over this this period, really.
0: Yeah, well yeah. said, Mike.
1: Greg. Anything, in- anything interesting on uh, Al Jazeera to watch, Mike?
2: What's that? The Sport Channel, is it? <laughs> one,
1: well, that's all. It's a news channel, I think. The old uh, Dubai News Channel.
2: Well, uh, we do have a bit of Sky. We've got a bit of everything here, so uh, we, we, yeah, I haven't seen much of that. Sorry, no.
0: It's, uh, <laughs> Graham, you made a great point there. When you do get back, there's a phrase at the moment, isn't it, I'm hearing about the new normal. Well, for for coaching and how you work with your players, as you said before, for for scrummaging, just for getting your players together, it's going to be a brave new world for a while. And for how long, we don't know. We don't
3: know. There's so much unknown, isn't there? It's difficult trying to plan as coaches. I mean, we're speaking daily and we have these... Zoom or uh, video meetings um, with the whole team on occasion. And you don't know what's going to happen. We'll be allowed to train small groups, but I, I, you just can't see a fast progression going back into tackling and scrummaging. And, uh, but we, I think we will play by the, by midsummer. having said all that. We have how's,
1: to, the, how's the state of mind of the players?
3: Pretty good, pretty good. Yeah. You know, they've all got programmes. They're in daily touch with our conditioners. Um, and they've all got GPS units so we can track what they're doing, even in lockdown. And luckily, where we are in Limerick, a lot of the lads live, they've got plenty of space to live on farms, so training's not an issue.
0: Uh, guys, I'm afraid we always ask this week in, week out, that little time when we say best this, best that, because we've, we we find it fascinating. When you, What's the first thing that comes to mind when you think of the great players you've played alongside and the great players you've played against one of the first, one uh, of the first things to jump to mind,
3: please. Um, <laughs> what a great question! One of the first things that jumped. I feel privileged to have played with some good lads, some great players, um, played against some great lads, um, coached against some great lads. I, I was honestly pulled through as a foot soldier with a uh, monumental Leicester team um, that won a lot and played with some great players like Mike Johnson. Mike Johnson wouldn't let you beat him at Tiddlywinks. He, he, back in the old days of the John Player Cup, which is a real amateur rugby competition, um, we would play against the likes of Barking from London, you know, an amateur team. And John I would he played at a 1,000% against them, the same as he played against Australia the week before at Twickenham. Just players like that. Neil Back was the same. Johnny Wilkinson was the same. I feel privileged to have played the likes of those guys. Um and played against the likes of Jonah Loma. Claim to fame. He stamped on me. <laughs> here, here. here. Jonah Loma stamped on me. How many people can say that?
1: That was, what, an, what, what was, that? What was that on the way back from scoring?
3: try yourself. You not close to him. <laughs> the way, on the way back, I'm 50 metres back from when he scored it. I wouldn't have got near him. Now I was at the bottom of a ruck in Dunedin. We played them. Um, Danny Grucock had been sent off, and there was a ruck, and he stamped on me. And I had to go to the hearing the next day as an expert witness, well, the victim. And he still got off because he's Jonah Lomu, and I I, I, I applauded when he was announced and he got off it as well. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no, I played played with some great guys, Stubbsy um, but played against some brilliant players as well.
1: Mike.
2: Well, I was actually Jonah Long's teammate uh in the in Cardiff Blues when he right, yeah. came to Wales and that was unbelievable. Um to share a tra- uh, you know a dressing room with, you know, one of your heroes and uh yeah, he was just phenomenal, really. He was you you couldn't quite believe it. So um and such a lovely guy as well and, you know, phenomenal uh, rugby player, wasn't he? And I guess, uh, again, I mentioned him before, going to France to play with Dan Carter. and He was phenomenal. You know, he never put a foot wrong. and it wasn't the fact that he did, you know, he didn't do every, every touch wasn't amazing. He did just made the right decision every single time. Never made a mistake and just, um, yeah, I mean, we, we won the league with him there. You know, he's just phenomenal. He's a top, top player and a great bloke off the field as well.
1: Jiffy, what would you say, by the way? Uh, oh, I don't know. I, I was lucky at you know, across both courts. I think I'm sure I played. we played together, Graham, West, Do mean the Barbars?
3: Um, I think we did, yeah.
1: Yeah, we did. And John, Martin Johnson played and Lawrence played and, uh, against Northampton.
3: Do you know what? For some reason, I can't remember much about Barbarian we lost, Yeah,
1: we lost, don't worry. Uh, yeah. No, I
3: think it was the <laughs> I, drinking I, I, involved. Did...
1: I know, but it's it's the same, Ray. I, I just think, you know, when you've um, I've been in the game longer than these boys, and when you watch so many great players, you know, I watched Mikey, you know, turning up with a scarlet, like Longhead, you know, Red Bull wouldn't care for anyone. You know, I went to go and play against the rest of the Barbarians, and, and then played, you know, with them um, Avocado against Cardiff, and it was so many. It's very difficult to pull a couple of names up to the back, John Aloune was the obvious one because, you know, he changed the the whole game. But, uh, no, I think like the pair of them, so many, very fortunate to uh, to come across, play, you know, with the games and watch some of the, the greatest
0: players who ever played the game. You see, I come at this from a fan's perspective, of course. And when those huddles develop now, uh, I don't understand the physics of it, but it's terrific the way that the huddle starts to Moving and has a momentum, and obviously people can't stand still. And I just always think to myself, the emotion that must be going on inside those huddles, and then it starts to sway a little bit. And I, I, I can only imagine that absolutely is an emotional thing to be part of.
3: Yeah, and I think the huddle is—you're sharing it with each other, aren't you? I just remember being pretty nervous. I, 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 I don't miss that those nerves before a game, not being able to eat for hours before, and then the huddle was like you're sharing it. You you you're literally bonded with the with the brave lads, the braver lads around you.
1: The one the one thing I miss, I don't, like, I don't miss playing because body's wrecked, you know, like all of us really. And uh, but that that anticipation, where before you walk out to onto a pitch at different levels, like you know, you play for your little junior club first, and you walk up to the the sports field in all villages across the country, and then when you get to the next level in you know, your club, and then when you get to the international level, you know, those feelings are just unbelievable. Those things are the best moments of your career. The anticipation of going out to play with your, you know, with your best players in the country and against the best players over the country is just amazing.
2: Yeah, I suppose it's. Um you got to take those moments and, you know, really sort of enjoy it. And a lot of people, a lot of players might get nervous, but there's no point getting nervous. You know, you're there because you're the best. And, um, you know, at one of my first games, I remember walking out and I was all negative in my head. And and I ended up playing poorly. It was against New, against New Zealand. And, and I thought to myself, if I ever get a chance again to play, I'm just going to be myself, enjoy it, take it all in and go for it. And, you know, there's no point being nervous. And, you just gotta be confident and, and, and really uh you know, that's the moment you live for and that's we that's why you train so so much for and that's you know, you're there where you wanna be. So yeah, very special moments, uh
1: I'm with I'm with Graham because I was very different. I was very, very nervous in change room until I crossed the, the white line. I, I wish I'd have had, you know, Mikey's attitude in the in the change room because I'd have enjoyed the game a lot more. So all I was always spewing and shit in everywhere to be honest. <laughs> I,
3: think well,
2: it's I was. So, always, I was nervous. You just—it's anticipation, isn't it? Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's excitement, and that's why you know. And then when afterwards, when yeah, like Graham said, a story—I was on top of the tables after the second test. Well, all that is—is is emotional. It's—it's it's emotion. Getting getting rid of it, and um, you know, it's—it's uh, it's unbelievable.
1: You have to enjoy it as well, Graham. I was a coach. now, you know, you win together and you lose together. So you've got to enjoy those wins, I not you?
3: Yeah. It's—it's it's, it's memories. It's all memories. You you have to enjoy the wins and save them. And you're constantly, these days, the lads tell them, savor these moments. Because there's that much rugby these days. The guys are playing so many games. Save these moments. I I, I go back. The nerves were more physically, your body saying, right, I know what's coming here. I know about the impacts. In my case, it was my ears. My ears going, shit, here we go again. Here we go again. Syringed. At half-time. Sewn back on at half-time. Oh! stick into the pillow, night of after a game, wake up.
1: <laughs> oh, but yeah, but you, your wife was loving that.
3: <laughs> she married me for my ears, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> Can't get her hands off them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's a good one. The life outside the cocoon of rugby um these are shared experiences that i would imagine you you can't replicate and i guess being on on tour we were talking about lions tours but being part graham of of that group um it it must live with you forever i would imagine
3: yeah there are memories and we're we're looking we're looking the memories i mean good and bad you you've got to put them in in the right context you've got to learn from the bad memories save the good ones. No, I, I I wouldn't change anything. Um, some great times, some great times with some, with some great people, and, and living it. I, I I was just looking at Phil's there and thinking about twenty thirteen, the Lions tour, and losing that second test in Melbourne um, in dodgy circumstances, and the pressure, the pressure we're under going into that <coughs> third test, that third test in Sydney, and there's not many Lions tours that are won in the third test historically, and you know your squad are. You've got injuries, but the pressure going at that third test, and to have had it won, to have had it won by 50-odd minutes, was just incredible. That, for me, is probably one of my best memories ever.
2: Yeah, no, that was incredible. I just remember putting the ball in the scrum, Graham, and then the scrum would just go forward. You know, we'd win a penalty, and then half a step up. Um, Yeah, it was just incredible. Early on, we boys just dominated, and um, yeah, it was an amazing tour it's a bit bit of a different tour for me because i got injured in the first game and then i was on the i was just trying to ice my leg the whole time and it just i was on playing on one leg basically and but still part of you know part of uh, you know history and what a what a group of boys again it was an amazing experience
0: and um, do you keep memorabilia uh guys do you do you have stuff from lions tours do you have stuff just from your career are you the sort that correct, collect memorabilia and have things around or I don't think you do, Jeff, do you? You haven't got an awful lot of stuff.
1: No. Georgie Best. I told you this before,
0: Georgie Best and yeah. Jersey
1: upstairs and just just your old jerseys in the loft somewhere in a bag. So hopefully again, it's I've been retired a long time now, but uh when when I do uh you know pass away, my kids will uh appreciate things, I suppose. So not that I'm going anywhere at the moment, to be honest. <laughs>
0: Mike Graham, have you do, you? do you collect stuff? Do you have it around? Is it stuff that does it matter?
2: Mike, go. Um, it's all in my mother's. Uh, I shouldn't say this, perhaps, but it's in my mother's house um, at uh, up the attic and in bags. And um, she she gives she gives a lot away. Um, trying to tell her off now and again because she, she just someone knocks the door and asks for a jersey and another one's gone. So. Um, <laughs> But um, no, I, you know, I, yeah, they're all special. But I've swapped a few jerseys over the years, and yeah, it's just nice memories. But it's more, for perhaps, you know, I've got a little boy now, and it's more for him, isn't it? Like Jonathan said, for the kids, and you know, um, it's it's more about that, isn't it? So one day he'll uh, appreciate it, hopefully.
0: Yeah, I guess your memories are up there, Graham. Do you keep anything? Um, the odd shirt. I've not got
3: any hung up. That's for sure. Um, I got. I actually found a box of medals that we won with Leicester Premiership medals. I'd say my one of my prize possessions. It's not a shirt. It was a watch. Phils, did you buy one of those Breitling watches from twenty thirteen? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah.
3: It's, it's an engraved uh, watch that we got cheap. Lovely bit of kit. That that for me, that's special. Um, I never wear it. It's it's that nice <laughs> and expensive. I dare wear it. It's, it's that special to me. It's it's in it's in the cupboard upstairs. But that that's about the one thing I. I do keep that. I cherish. That That's just
1: brilliant because you know you don't wear it because if you wear it in training, right? Some of the boys will take a piss out of you. That's basically it, isn't it? That's the environment you're in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly.
3: exactly. Look at you and your lions. What?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Play for the lions, did you? Yeah.
3: Actually, yeah. uh, yes, I do.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, here we are. Um, time has beaten us. Uh, massive thanks to Graham Roundtree. Massive thanks to. Uh, Mike Phillips Jiffy it's been terrific talking to the guys hasn't it fantastic yeah
1: brilliant boys uh, lovely to see you and uh, whatever happens stay safe okay
0: yeah, yeah stay safe very everyone thank you for thank you very nice much yes.
1: about, thank you
0: very much boys Jiffy and Stubbsy back next week thank you everyone bye for now and thanks for listening to Jiffy and Stubbsy hope you'll join us again please hit the subscribe button